welcome to more to come pw comic world's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing uh generally recorded at the pw offices but we're all kind of spread out uh for this particular episode um uh, i'm calvin reed senior news editor at publishers weekly and co-editor of pw comics world and editor of the fanatic pw's new comics and pop culture newsletter check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics and I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. And you can check us out on Twitter at, at PWComics. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes. Uh, and on Facebook, we're at Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. And don't forget. Oh, don't forget. <laughs> If you like us, let us know. Don't forget to leave us a comment on iTunes or send us a letter or let us know on Twitter. Drop us a line. Communicate. Please reach out. We love it. We love to know what you think of us. You know, if it's plaudits, that's great. If it's brickbats, not as great. But you know what? If that's how you feel, let us know. We love to know that you're listening. All right. Talk to us. All right. This week on More to Come. ALA, and that's the American Library Association annual meeting uh, in Washington, D.C. Also, uh, in line with that, we're going to be talking about Heidi's graphic novels in libraries feature. And also, all of this will be kind of turned to focus on the graphic novel and comics roundtable newly established. Also, D.C., Vertigo and Post-Vertigo. So, the the ALA meeting, um, my first trip there. Yes, I'm only my second. Mm. Calvin, what did you think? Uh, it was a blast. I mean, I mean, what's really amazing, look, we, we have the highest opinion in the world of librarians. So <laughs> to go to a, 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 you know, a convention uh, where there are thousands, hundreds if not thousands of them, a special experience. Um, and, of course, the comics-focused library community, uh, including the recent establishment of the Graphic Novel and Comics Roundtable. I, for, certainly for me, my first time going, it made a very special. Comics were everywhere uh, at the ALA annual meeting. Yeah, they really were. And, um, you know, last year I went for the first time. It was in New Orleans. This year it was in Washington, D.C. It's a little strange to be there at this time in this world. Yes. Um, but, uh, but luckily, once we entered the halls of the American Library Association, you could almost forget what was going on in the world outside. <laughs> yes, almost, anyway. Uh, sure. Almost, almost. <laughs> and um, uh, you know, so last year, the Graphic Novel Roundtable was um, approved by the ALA hierarchies, mm-hmm. and they held a provisional election back in January at ALA Midwinter, and now the Majestic Board took its rightful place officially um you know led by amy wright she is the the first president and some other great folks uh and um you know one of the things i like about uh library shows is that they're just a never-ending grueling schedule of breakfasts and lunches and cocktail (laughs) parties and receptions and lots um, of free food you know got to hang yeah lots of free food but you know what kate Uh, a lot of camaraderie as well and you know got to see so many people and hang out with them and it was just um it's very relaxed it's just such a relaxing um for me anyway i could see some stress on the faces of the uh library council but um you know it's it's just a great atmosphere 
Well, really, uh, I mean, in some ways you look at it, uh, uh, the ALA has really become a major, um, you know, a stop on the comics, you know, exhibition season, uh, convention season, if for want of a better way to describe it. Um, I mean, I, I remember when this was simply, you know, um, you know, a, a goal and ambition to uh, have comics so well represented among libraries. Uh, but, wow, it's, it's, you know, like so many other things we've seen, it's come to fruition. Um, um, you know, there, whether it's uh, the programming or on the exhibition floor. I mean, there are comics publishers everywhere. So, uh, yeah, all of the publishers are there. The only one that is, and it still is Marvel, but I hear that they are making important inroads into the library um, market. No longer are they hated uh, by librarians, which is really hard to do. To get librarians to hate you is really hard, but Marvel managed it. Um, so, uh, but yeah, everyone is there. Um, um, both Oni and Lineforge were there for one of the last yeah. times. Um, DC, DC Comics had a very strong presence over in the Random House booth. Uh, Cheek mm-hmm. by Jowl with Dark Horse Comics right next door. Um, who else? I mean, everybody. Image Comics yeah, was there. They, they have an artist out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I stopped by the Fantagraphics booth. Um, you know, uh, I saw Jerry Kraft there with his new book, A New Kid, but I'm not sure he was at the Harper. Uh, he was published by Harper Kids, I believe. Um, but he was at some other booth. I don't know. I mean, there were they're, they're just everywhere you went. Yeah. Um, yeah. And once again, I was very impressed. Well, you know, first of all, if I may just get mildly personal, I'm from Washington, D.C. Uh, I grew up in that area down there is the old uh, downtown of D.C. along 7th Street. Um, you know, the, the convention center is there, our hotel was there, uh, and the new central, the, the re, re, revamped and rehabilitated central library, a, a Carnegie library is now an Apple store as well as, <laughs> so I just had to throw that in because I, I'm seeing DC with new eyes. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, it yeah. really was. I actually went in, did you go in? Oh yes, it's amazing. I used to go yeah. there as a kid to get books, and it's just wow. it's an Apple store now. Oh. Plus, there's a DC Historical Society that takes over the top floor, and they had a fabulous exhibition of photographs of oh, wow. old-fashioned um, panoramic cameras from wow. two companies in DC that were doing it from the early 1920s, uh, from the 1920s onward. Anyway, it, it was just a transformation of this place that I would go to as a kid to buy, you know, to take books out. Yeah. Yeah, but, there's some beautiful architecture yo, in the yeah. city. Anyway. But the panel, let's, there's so much programming, so little time. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Uh, did you go to – so so basically it's a little hard sometimes to understand how the American Library Association annual meeting is set up because it's very complicated and kind of hierarchical and um, it's – well, uh, there's just a lot going on. But yeah. um, so basically, I, I think so the uh, Thursday uh, um, after the show it proper doesn't open until they have the keynote speaker at about three or four o'clock. And then prior yeah. to that, um, the graphic novel and comics roundtable put out a slate of programming uh, 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 centered on the idea of social justice. And mm-hmm. I missed the first one because. Uh, I didn't have a badge. Anyway, that was a bad part of it. So yeah. I talk about that higher up. But I got one. Eh, never, I will never be denied. But you uh, did go. you get to go to the first panel, Cal? I, I did not. I or... did get to some panels. Um, I, I did not get to the social justice panel, which was really packed. Um, but, uh, although I did get a photograph of it because I got in there at the end of it. 
<laughs> but you know, Brian Selznick was there. Uh, you know, Hazel Newlevin, um was on the panel. Uh, um, I stayed for a while for the second panel, So Many Comics, So Little Time, which had an amazing panel. It was actually a workshopping kind of event where they had people like Jin Wang and John Muth and uh, Kareem Freeha, who we can talk about also because he was at the French Comics Association's uh, breakfast for his new book. Uh, and what they were doing was kind of they were coming up with categories, um, reading categories, genre categories or like, and um, – trends in in reading and then they were fanning out with the um librarians in the room to come up with reading lists so it was an interesting kind of yes. hands-on presentation I, I, working I you know librarians working with be, artists yeah i believe the light those lists will be circulated uh they had some interesting topics one was body image um, yes immigration absolutely. was another uh some very um you know uh, queer t- topics, very contemporary, uh, urgent topics mm-hmm. that uh, graphic novels are really covering in so many different ways. So, yeah, um, it's just, you know, I guess what Calvin and I really love, and, and you know, Kate, if you ever get a chance to go to the library show, I think you would love it a yeah. lot also. I think you would really be uh, find like-minded souls to talk to there. What, what, what do you so think proactive would I think it's just that people are very proactive and positive about things, you know, and opinionated. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just also, uh, just to be brutally honest, they're very smart. And yes, I, that's true. I think you would enjoy <laughs> that. I will say this. The ALA and librarians in general, it, they're, they're, they're one of the most organized um, professional slash social groups in the country. Uh, they're, they're, they've already always been a sort of a visionary you know, kind of humanities-focused um, profession that was really involved with technology. I mean, librarians really were kind of uh, visionaries in that regard. Um, and, and and when they move on something, because they are so organized, the way graphic uh, the librarians are organizing uh, around comics and how they're collected and, and circulated in libraries, this is the this is the vision of the uh, the comics landscape that we saw. Another aspect of it, anyway. The yes, librarians and- really love this category. And, um, you know, again, I saw some, you know, uh, dark circles under the eyes, like also at the library shows, like, you know, it's, you know, like hobbits. I have so many breakfasts, like the first <laughs> breakfast starts at 6 a.m., yes. you know, like They're they really risers. have to struggle to fit in, <laughs> fit in all these breakfasts. But um, the, 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 the GNCRT uh, had, uh, that was their, their, they did it at midwinter, but they did their first big and uh Calvin, I don't think you made it there, right? It was uh no. Saturday and it was like basically uh you this could register for it. It's free to it. Yes, this was the breakfast. Yeah. No, I wasn't able to And go. they had a lot of rights. So but I did Yes. Good. I got up at six thirty because well, I, I, I will. I have one pro tip at the end of this ALA discussion that we can all uh, that I will get to. But I have to get up at six thirty. Not a happy time for Heidi, but uh, <laughs> I got there, and so they had all uh, just about every publisher was represented. There was a lot of creators, and then it was kind of speed dating. Like they would go and uh, talk to different tables full of librarians. Uh, we had Greg Pak at my table. Oh, you oh, know, everybody mm-hmm. loves that guy. He well, he is so uh, understandable. He, he just, engages. Yes, he is. 
he engages and he's just so smart and together mm-hmm. with it and talented. So uh, love, love, love. But, um, <laughs> uh, we also had, uh, Fantagraphics came to our table Great. and, mm-hmm. um, Boom came to our table. But, uh, you know, it was the first time out. There was a couple of little logistical hiccups. I mean, it wasn't as smooth, but, you know, Yalsa does, I guess they're using Yalsa. Uh, youth uh, uh, services librarians as their model, and yes, you know this uh, is going to become a thing. Mm-hmm. This is going to become a thing, and I, I, you know these these ladies and ge- gentlemen, mostly mm-hmm. ladies, but a few gentlemen, really just hit the ground running, and they are really inspiring. You know, I was part of a nonprofit organization, and we had some pretty sharp people on there. And within a year, we were like, oh, how should we do this? I mean, these. Librarians already have this breakfast and panels and I mean a huge um, you know, list. <laughs> oh God! It's go just on. you know. So they had the mm-hmm. go on, Calvin. I'm, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, when that, <laughs> I'll jump well, in that, for a second because uh, I did get to go to a wonderful yeah, panel of diverse creating a diverse world of comics with Peggy Burns, C. Spike Trotman, Thierry Larouche from um, I think Gallimard, the, the French publisher, uh-huh. and of course Bill Campbell, always outspoken from Rosarium Publishers. Oh, great yes. panel, lively discussion, uh, a lot of laughs, and you know maybe an awkward moment or two, but people have uh-huh. really spoke their minds. Um, and I should also say the first time I was able to go to the Will Eisner graphic novel grants for a library's reception. So now the, the winners have well, been already this... named a while ago, but it was a, it was nice to be there and hear. Yeah. And now this was, I went to one last year and it was in a smaller room. And this year was that I got, it was a brand new, really swanky hotel ballroom. And, uh, you know, they had wine and cheese and pizza. And, you know, (laughs) if you say cheese and wine, uh, Heidi will be there. Yes, yes. And very good beer too, I made it. (laughs) And, yeah. and it was, but it was really nice. I mean, I thought that it was just one of the nicer events that I go to, you know. Um, again, it was like pretty much everyone and just very, very relaxed and just hanging out. And it was, it was, it, you know, and then they announced that they were the, uh, now Carl Groper and his wife, Anne, I believe her yeah. Nancy, Nancy, Nancy and Carl Groper, Nancy. who are mm-hmm. the, the nicest the people ne- ever. Niece, <laughs> nephew, they're, I believe it's the nephew of, and of they, mm-hmm. they speak and, you know, they keep his memory alive, but yes. then they give these grants to librarians who have put in a proposals for what they would do with the money. And one of them was like uh, incarcerated. Yes, that's uh, right. You know, that was an to this to year. build mm-hmm. up the, yeah, to, to, to increase the prison library. And, you know, just a really uh, strong, inspiring. And, um, you know, like, like I said, it's like somehow you, you forget the world outside because you're yeah. surrounded by people who are doing things yeah. that just are a positive. Great, great gathering of, once again, librarians and comics artists and comics publishers and editors and distributors. Um, so, it, 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 yeah, it was a wonderful evening. And I was able to um, – actually, could I throw in one thing? Because this is another reason why I was in uh, at the ALA this year. I actually went there not really as a reporter but as a board member for the Freedom to Read Foundation, uh, which is a, a committee uh, under the ALA or affiliated with the ALA that really fights for First Amendment rights and freedom to read um, uh, and, and is one of the only committees on the ALA that can actually file a lawsuit. And they really work with um, – books that have been challenged in libraries, which is right. to say someone has put in a formal request to have a book removed from the library. 
Right. So uh, we put together a booklet called Reading Dangerously. Uh, we had a, a crowdfunding campaign on Kickstarter and raised $10,000 to publish it. It's got a great list of, of, of books that were have been challenged and fought for by the librarian community. Um, and, um, and it also includes uh, a number of excerpts. From prose as well as comics work. So there's work. Uh, there's uh, Jeff Smith has a. Uh, uh, there's an excerpt from Bone, an excerpt from Habibi by Craig Thompson, Marjane Satrapi's uh, Persepolis. All of these are some of the most uh, books sought to be suppressed in libraries. So uh, that's just a shout out to the Freedom to Read Foundation um, uh, and, and some you know some of its relationships with comics. Right. And, uh, you know, just some important work being done. So uh, just two observations, uh, kind of wrapping things up. Um, you know, number one, um, boy, uh, you know, Calvin, I think I said this, but, uh, our librarians are the best librarians. <laughs> I will say this, that graphic novel focused librarians are really progressive yep. and open, open-minded and, uh, uh, they actually do represent the kind of vanguard of the ALA. They are, you know, looked at as these kind of, you know, forward-looking, um, very, you know, modern librarians. And sometimes other librarians aren't quite as fun as our librarians. But boy, I love. <laughs> and I think they're I also engaging the next generation in reading uh, in many ways. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. But I mean, I just, you know, shout outs to Amy yeah. Wright and. Um, Robin Brenner, Eva Volin, Matthew Murray, Matthew Noe, uh, and so many others. But, um, you know, they are just such great, great uh, allies. And they and, were also, um, you, you talk know. of all of them in your graphic novels in libraries feature. Yes, I did. Yes. Which is, which and, you can go and um, read you know, at com slash comics. <laughs> yes, and, uh, you know, Marcella Perez is also very involved. Uh, she's uh, still up in, she's had a big baby so she's up in lewis and maine mm. truly you know she covers all the bases for me there but um yeah everyone i've met i just i and you know listen at our like let me tell you uh you would think i mean i go to a lot of retailer events and you know there's a lot of great retailers in comics and um but like whoever sat down at the table everyone was really listening and really interested and really thirsting for knowledge mm -hmm. so i love the most they really are engaged with all of this stuff. And yes, I did write this article and, you know, I, I want to say, I mean, I got a lot of compliments about it. I was very, very humbled and very, very pleased that, you know, I got it right because it's a tough audience also. Yes. So, um, but yeah, well, you really did. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I tried. Uh, smart <laughs> you covered the, smart, the establishment of the graphic novel uh, and comics around what they're planning to do. You looked at how they've changed, you know, added professional, uh, development to comics conventions how graphic medicine is like growing as a as a new trend is really helping to force the adult collection to develop more uh so you're you know you it really is a great piece that really covers like a, a, a panoply of issues in the uh, yeah. around comics well, and graphic novels and libraries well thanks calvin i mean it was a lot of fun yeah. All right. I hope I get to do it next year as well. But wait, I have one little tiny note. Sure. Like just, uh, just a little, this is a logistical thing, but you know, the one thing that was wrong with ALA was like, by a mistake was made and my hotel was booked. It was two miles, well, it was a mile point, 1.7 miles away from the convention center, which is something I haven't done in a long time. And boy, that was brutal. You know, it's like when you can't go back to your hotel and take a nap, yeah. especially after you've been lugging around bags of books all day, it's uh, it just destroyed me. It yeah. destroyed me. 
Um, and, and, uh, be very careful. You know, I mean, here in New York, uh, obviously I stay at home. Uh, you know, it's not like I'm right next door to the Javits, but somewhere or other when you sleep in your own bed, you just get you know, re-energize. So, uh, that is Heidi's tip. Always stay close to the convention center. Yep. All right. I think that's a good tip. All right. Pro tip. <laughs> pro tip, y'all. All right. So, but on the commercial tip, <laughs> so to speak, DC and Vertigo part ways. Well, you know, DC has decided to, to shut down a pioneering uh, imprint in American comics. Well, DC made a lot of announcements, and they made them during ALA, mm. and uh, I was tipped off that this was coming. Now, we, we already talked about uh, and Give Vertigo, so this was, or the sun setting, and this was like made it official with the press release, but the big shocker was that they were also Ending their Zoom and Ink lines. <laughs> I know, yes. And I mean, we must have been talking about those for a year and a half. E- like easily. since ALA midwinter. And yeah, I- and they were acting like it was their new banner carrying imprint. Like, I don't really see what the difference is. Like, if you're, sa- <laughs> if you have this new, like, middle grade line and this new, like, YA line, and then you Close them down and start a new YA line and middle grade line. Like, why would you even do that? After spending who knows how much on the marketing and promotion. Exactly. Even when I went over to the DC booth, they still had materials that said ink and zoom on them. (laughs) And and not not even three weeks ago at uh, BEA, BEX, whatever you want to call it, they were promoting zoom and ink. Yeah. It's crazy. what what is going on, Heidi? Calvin, do you have any theories? I mean, I mean, you know, I, I think Heidi's theories are probably more accurate. But I mean, my sense is that um, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of changes going on in DC. There are some new executives in place. I, I always, to me, it's always new a new regime in charge means that they've got to rearrange all of, well, the, all of the deck chairs. Maybe they aren't on the, on the Titanic, but, you know, they are rearranging the deck chairs. Um, I, I don't really see um, the great advantage that this move to, to kill these uh, these imprints that they have spent over a year promoting relentlessly. Uh, but there you go. Um, well, the DC did, to be fair, they did follow up the announcement so so just to be, to be clear okay they announced that instead of having imprints they would have three labels yes so there would be dc like young readers dc kids which right. would be for kids 12 and under right and then there would be dc which is 13 and up so that yeah, means yeah. superman batman detective yeah, comics Steam titans legion mm-hmm. everything is 13 up and then there would be black label. Yes. Which means, you know, 17. Yeah. Well, no, 17 <laughs> and up, 17 and up, you know. So, um, so, and then now to me, this is, um, what was well, so, okay. What about your vertigo backlist? What about like, you know, to use an example yeah. near and dear to my heart, what yeah. about why the last man, for instance, you know, it's got a TV. What about show. like a million volumes of Hellblazer? Yeah. yeah. What about this? Well, see, I think all of that stuff's going on the black label. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I personally don't. My frustration with this is because all of this stuff. I mean, they've changed the names. They still have, you know, a specific labels, but instead of calling them Zoom or Ink, they call them DC Kids. Right now, yeah, I don't get it. Why but they don't call it? It's just a label. So let, let me explain. The next day, the very next day, 
they at a breakfast meeting they announced their slate of kids books uh yes. you know NYA well middle grade through 2021 yes. and there's like 40 books on yep. it if they don't like imprints why don't they just turn zoom and ink into labels like wh- why are they doing this i guess the well you know just to follow up you know with the whole picture so then yesterday or the day before yesterday maybe it was yesterday um they as i speak they announced that they were launching something called hill house comics yeah. which a, is a little pop up they said a pop up line <clears throat> doing yeah. pop ups so they're doing a pop up line that is curated and written by joe hill hmm. uh bless known for lock and key i mean he's stephen king's son but i mean you know it's hard hmm. to bear the the brunt of having to be the you know son of the most popular author of the sure. last 50 years but uh sure <laughs> you know he's his own man joe hill is his own man and actually the book sounded very horrific you know things like like there's a home invasion and the woman who's who's in the house gets a viking axe that kills people and then there's <laughs> yeah. you know head heads stacked up and the heads are talking the heads, so, heads keep uh, talking yeah. Yes. yeah the heads keep talking <laughs> so you know stuff like that and so obviously this could be a vertigo line except it's not vertigo so you know listen i i think i might have said this the first time we talked about vertigo ending but i get it you know as a as someone whose life was changed by vertigo and man you should have seen the outpouring on social media oh, yeah. i mean it was like the day you know, Prince or Bowie died in yeah. comics terms and about how Vertigo changed people's lives. And, um, well, I mean, it changed mine. Yeah, it changed really. mine too. <laughs> yes, and mine. It changed my uh, reading life. It changed, you know. Yeah, how, like, Kate, how did it change your life? Well, it changed my life in two very specific ways. One, they were the first comics that I ever really, like, fell 100% in love with as a teenager. Like, I mean, I liked comics as a thing. Like, when I could get my hands on them, whatever I could get my hands on them. But um, Vertigo comics were the first to, like, really grab a wee Kate and, and make me just, like, absolutely love a book down to the ground. What um, was the book you loved? Uh, well, the first of them was Hellblazer. I was lucky enough to pick up a very good volume, and it just hit me right in the trickster spot. And uh, it never really let go, even though there have been better runs and worse runs. And, you know, it's obviously morphed into Constantine in this book and that book, but it's not really going anywhere. I'm not too worried for that. But, I mean, it it really, it, it showed me that I had a comic book spot in my id, if that makes sense. Right. And so, you know, I went on to fall in love with many other comics as well, but Vertigo just hit a sweet spot and it was a sweet spot that was only ever hit again by a lot of, of other indie and creator owned comics. Um, I really, I really love like superhero comics and stuff, but that's just a different thing. It's you know, just, it doesn't feel the same. It's just a different itch. You know, sure. it's interesting mm-hmm. that all of us uh, talk about our love of vertigo because we're all different ages. You know, we're born mm-hmm. in different yeah. decades and, um, you know, I mean, I would have thought that Vertigo was meant just for me, you know, mm-hmm. and um, just at my age and my reading. But, you know, those books were so strong, those early books. And, I mean, you know, it doesn't hurt that they had the equivalent of the British invasion. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't know, hitting the early writers. Mm-hmm. I was hitting the middle books, but even the middle books were very strong. Um, and, I mean, I now, I mean, you can just see the fingerprints of Vertigo. All over the comics world, English-speaking comics world we live in today, um, because that very itch I'm telling you about 
it has, there's so many books today from other publishers that feel like they are the children of Vertigo. Yeah. That yeah. 10 years ago, 20 years ago would have been a Vertigo book. And Perhaps. I don't mean that as a dig at other publishers no. or as a dig at today's Vertigo. I just mean that it, it, it had its cultural influence and it was a, a very good thing. Yeah. Yeah, and so, for me, it was the first time I read oh. certain people were there. I mean, Kyle Baker, I had Rick, Richard Corbin. I read some Vertigo books by him. Of course, Neil Gaiman. And that's what you like. And it, it, that's, to me, that they, it became synonymous with like, hey, these guys are doing comics that are just very different from every, everything else. Yes. Um, so, um, yeah, so we are, well, listen, there's no substitute. But that's, I think, that in recent years, Vertigo had relaunched and relaunched and relaunched. And you know what? They never got that magic back. No, and Kate, what you yeah. just it wasn't said, the same. and what you just said actually is really, really relevant because you said you discovered these books as a teenager. And you know, I would say that Vertigo books were really aimed at the sweet spot of the smart teenager, you know, late high school, early college, a freshman year at dorm. You know, that they were books that really should appeal to that demographic. Well, and I, I honestly think they kind of got away from that in, mm, in a lot yeah, of ways. Basically. Well, I mean, I think, I think the best ones bridged, quite frankly, I got into them as like mm, 13, 14, uh, which I think is about the beginning of the Vertigo sweet spot. Sure. Uh, uh, but I really do think that it, it bridges when Vertigo at its best, bridged the taste between the smart teenager and the smart adult who never really lost their taste for irreverence. Yeah. And you had to, you have to, it, for, for it to be just right, it has to hit both demographics. And I, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like after it was no longer creator owned and after it lost Karen Berger, it just, it just lost some of that ability to just hit all the right notes to like hit both I just demographics feel like, and not be too edgy, but not be, be too soft. Yeah. You know, I think Dan DeDio and one of the things, one of his statements about shutting it down, I think he actually was right. A lot of people do what um, Vertigo used to do. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think, um, you know, there are a variety of reasons also where a lot of the people who used to do things for Vertigo decided to do them for other people. Um, and in some ways, maybe, um, you know, Vertigo's, uh, impact and success was too good for its own, <laughs> own future. I don't, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think it was that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it wasn't, the problem wasn't Vertigo was successful. The problem was that Vertigo was successful and then uh, basically left money on the table by being short-sighted in its financial deals. So, you know, Image picked up their slack. Dark Horse picked up their slack. A million indie labels picked yeah, up their black, slack. I, was, I want to call yeah, out Black I Mask. I want to <laughs> yeah, call out Black I Mask. I want to call out. Yeah. Black Mask and Vault Comics as to yeah, like sure. yeah, indie publishers that really they, you know, have picked up the mantle and run with it. Many but more you know, platforms. listen, I'll say I will say um as someone who worked 
at Vertigo 20 years ago, and, you know, uh, one of the books, the one o- only book I ever did uh, was Why the Last Man. So, you know, I, if I had to do one book, I made it a good one. Not so bad, good not for me. bad at all. <laughs> and, um, but I'll, I'll say this, it's like, you know, Image Comics, I mean, it's great what they're doing now. They have top creators, many of whom started at Vertigo, like uh, Ed Brubaker. Mm. Um, but you know what they don't have is Karen Berger. And, you know, yeah. Karen Berger's a great editor. And, um, you know, she really made you, she made you work for that, that green light. You and know, she really, she, nothing. Yeah, she didn't, she wasn't like you just gave her a proposal and she was like, this is great. Let's go. She asked you questions and she made you, you know, once she made the writer work mm-hmm. on it. And, and, you know, it wasn't just to be capricious either. It was just because she had standards and these are the questions that she had. These are the, you know, the, the, the depths that she wanted to make sure that this material hit. And so, um, you know, and she's still doing it over yes, at Burger yeah. Books or imprint at Dark yeah. Wars. And, you know, Shelley Bond also had a huge, huge impact. You know, Stuart Moore at Ahoy Comics. I mean, Stuart is hugely important. Stuart and Tom Pyre, two very important. Uh, Axel Alonso is over at, um, at, uh, AWA, you know, mm-hmm. and so, and there's a lot more. There's all a former lot of Vertigo other, people. You're, they're you're all too. former Vertigo editors, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the, the impact is, is really huge. And, yeah. you know, listen, all good things come to an end. And, uh, in the, in, you know, as time goes by, no one will be like, like, oh, what a sad end that ruined Vertigo. Everyone will just remember all the really yeah. great, Absolutely. lasting masterpieces that right. came out. And of I'm not sure but, we've seen the last of the Vertigo, uh, imprint either. Well, I mean, part of me feels like, okay, it should end. Like, if, if you're going to end it, if you're going to close the book, then close the book. Don't bring it back as a zombie. Mm. Um, but, I mean, you're right. Th- everything comes to an end. But things come to an end slower if you pay your people properly. <laughs> I think, listen. I think there was a lot of reasons, and as someone who worked at Vertigo back 20 years ago, once again, uh, the time frame, um, you know, after I was there, there was a series of hits, uh, but those hits ended probably like about five years after that, uh, you know, like you said, Kate, with the contract, but, um, and you know, after that, it just, it yeah, just, they haven't been able to recreate it. Well, if, if I thought I had lightning in a bottle and I was a writer, I wouldn't take it somewhere where I didn't get the best deal. I mean, yep. why would yep. you? Yep, that's kind of the deal. What do you guys think? Now, what's interesting about that Hill House comics is that it didn't mention, like, you know, listen, I asked some questions. Uh, I was told that if they're reprinting, say, Hellblazer, you know, by Garth Ennis, and it says Vertigo, it's going to say Vertigo on it. I, but if they do a relaunch of them, it'll say Black Label. Yeah. Um, and they also said, oh, we're going to do creator-owned stuff. So this Hill House is all new yeah. concepts. Mm-hmm. Doesn't men- doesn't say specifically the DCU whether it at all, is. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mention if they're creator-owned or not. It doesn't. I have a suspicion that they might be that kind of creator participation deal. Right. What did yeah. you guys think of the Hill House announcements? Uh, I felt very TBA about it, you know, like, we'll see, um, could be good, could be not much, don't know, not convinced, could be convinced, show me more. I mean, I'll admit I'm not a horror fan, so it's really not aimed at my personal reading taste. Uh, you know, just looking on it, it looks like it, uh, it looks like a lot of stuff that it seems other people are pu- trying to publish too. You know, the, the lively, twisty genre stuff. I mean, in some ways, 
uh, it, you know, Awa has a bunch of, of horror titles, um, with, you know, hopefully quirky horror titles. So yeah. I, I'm not the market, so it's hard for me to say whether, but it looks, I mean, they look interesting, look fun, yeah. quirky. Well, listen, there is doubtless more to come on this. I have a <laughs> feeling a doubt. DC is not done yeah, messing around and mucking <laughs> around with their publishing plans in a big, big way. So, today in the briefs, we have two briefs today. They're short but sweet. Um, Viz regrets the error. So, um, <laughs> basically, uh, Viz actually, when two stakes were brought to their attention, corrected them and will correct them going forward. Um, so, first off, um, Viz had this little problem with dead naming their translators, not one, but two. Um, and what exactly is dead naming? Dead naming means, uh, say someone is trans and they are using their new oh. gender conforming name and someone good. calls them by their old name, uh, in a very public way. Oh, well, that's not good. Yeah, it's just referring to somebody who has transitioned by yes. their previous name. It's yeah. called yeah. dead name. And, you know, it's a faux pas. Yeah, yeah. and it's uh, usually... Yeah, usually it, it's it's like in some way more serious than a quick slip of the thumb and someone being like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Like, it's that you do it and you don't catch yourself and you just keep going and using it over and over yeah. or, like, not correcting it. And so um, both translator Rachel Thorne, who... Um, was dead named, well, not only dead named, she was dead named in her, uh, translation of Akimi Yoshida's Banana Fish, and her name was completely left out of the credits of the new release of Hayao Miyazaki's Nausicaa Valley of the Wind. Uh-huh. Mm. And then, not only was she dead named, but also Nausicaa translator Dana Lewis was also dead named. So it's just like, yeah. Okay. You need the fact check department on that. But Unfortunate. fandom was on it. And <laughs> um, basically, between her tweet and Erica Friedman's irritated letter, Viz <laughs> yes, went, <laughs> went, oops, oops, we didn't mean to do that. We didn't check. Sorry about that. And then also, another error that they corrected, also good for them, was... Okay, listeners, I'm going to give you a teeny bit of anime and graphic novel backstory here. So, once upon a time, Sailor Moon came out, and American and European translators went, this is awesome, except for how it has gay people in it. Let's pretend they're cousins. No one will notice. That won't come off as incestuous at all. Um, And so, eventually, American translators and publishers realized that Maybe, maybe this was not a good idea, and we should just actually translate what's on the page and leave their relationship intact, uh, which Viz promised to do several years ago and had been doing, but for some reason in the booklet of their DVD set, referred to them as good friends. <laughs> oh, God. And so oh, uh, they regret the error, and they reprinted the booklet, and uh, anybody who wants can get a new, fresh, corrected booklet for their DVD set. 
All right. And it will be corrected going forward. So, you know what? Points to Viz for once it was pointed out to them going, oops, we'll fix it. Because that's what you need to do. You don't need to make a lot of drama about it. You don't need to defend yourself and do this whole song and dance about how I'm not prejudiced. Like, if you're in good faith and it was just an oops, just say, oh, I'm sorry, and fix it and move on. That's all all you need to do. And they did. So good for them. (sighs) Meanwhile, J.J. Abrams and his son, Henry Abrams, who is all of 20, are together doing a Spider-Man book for Marvel. Apparently, it was J.J. who was solicited to do the book, and he decided to bring his son on board because of his deep uh, connection to the character of Peter Parker and the comics medium as a whole. All right. Uh, so that will be, JJ. <laughs> that will be uh, interesting to see. We we look forward to seeing that in the future. Uh, they did get Sarah Pacelli on as the illustrator, so they yeah, they are nice. they are throwing their that's, weight behind yeah, this book. That's good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. So uh, let's see. Next week, we're going to have some interviews. After yep. that is our annual big pre-San Diego show. Yes. And then we'll be, the week after that, we'll be at San Diego, Calvin and I, and yep. we'll be getting our usual array of interviews for the podcast. Yep. And then we'll be sleeping. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then eventually we'll pass out and wake up a week later. But anyway, we do it for you, loyal listeners. And on that note, there will be more to come.